What's up everybody and welcome back to Souls Engaged. I hope all of you have had the chance to catch our pilot episode and gotten to know each of us a little better. So unfortunately today, my team members Magdalene and Adia are not able to join us due to the current phase 2 restrictions. But don't fret, because today I have with me a very special guest and a very close friend of mine. So she will be sharing with us her personal mental health journey, giving us some practical tips and also debunking some misconceptions as well. Okay, so without further ado, let's put our hands together to welcome Georgia! Hi everyone, I'm Georgia. I'm a year two university student and I'm super excited and honoured to be here today. So thanks for having me. Oh, thanks for coming. Before we begin, uh, let's share our background with our listeners. (laughs) So Georgia and I, we actually go way back. We met in Polly. We're close friends ever since... We started day one yeah. yeah so because of that we've actually seen each other go through all kinds of um, ups and downs mm. in the past years georgia is one of the most vocal and also expressive persons i know i've always admired her because of how resilient she was in dealing with her own mental health struggles as well as finding the courage to seek help mm. on her own so that's why i felt like she was a great guest to invite on this very special episode wow i feel like I've never heard so many of these things before. Georgia being <laughs> the most resilient. Why don't you tell me these things in my um, face last time? <laughs> yeah, but I'm so honoured. I heard the first episode of your podcast and I think it's a, such a great thing that you and your team are wow. doing. Like Sometimes like mental health can be such a difficult um, yes. topic to navigate, right? But it's such an important topic to have mm. and to talk about. Yeah, yeah so, so glad to be part of this today. Initially, our team was quite... I'm scared, but mm. I'm glad that we really went ahead with it and mm. even have the support from our company mm. and the school as well. So anyway, mental health covers a huge spectrum of um, different types of conditions. So I wanted to ask you, what mental health conditions have you struggled with or been diagnosed with? Mm, I am actually not clinically diagnosed, but when I was younger, I went through quite a rough bout of depression. And Mm. around the same time, even after getting better, I struggled with anxiety and having a healthy self-image, you know. Mm. That was something that I really like struggled with a lot. And so maybe I can tell you a bit of the backstory. Sure, please do. Yeah, so about eight years ago, I was in a romantic relationship with a guy for about two years. Mm. And that was my first romantic relationship. And you know, the first day was great. It was what we called the honeymoon period, right? Mm. Like, wow, we were just enjoying each other and our presence and like... But then towards the second year, things started to get really, really, really rocky. And we started to quarrel a lot. And over time, it started to become very unhealthy because of the way we dealt with our differences. There was a lot of gaslighting, a lot of manipulation and a lot of disregard of my emotions. Okay, so before we continue, Mm. because gaslighting is such a new term. Yeah. Um, would you like to describe to our audience and even if you can't describe, maybe give us some examples of what gaslighting entails? Okay, I think I would say in my own words, right, mm. that gaslighting is, you know, when somebody tells you about their feelings or mm. a certain way that they're feeling about something that you disregard their feelings, you know, you... you Like you dismiss it. Yeah, you dismiss it, you mm. trivialize it and then maybe you even tell them like, no lah, I don't think that is what you're actually feeling and then making them feel like, hey, maybe they will start to doubt themselves. Am uh. I really feeling this way? Was I really oh, that's wrong? It's pretty unhealthy. Yes, it's very, very unhealthy. You know, it was very difficult for me to see things in an objective view because when things started to shake, right, I was honestly, I didn't really know how to deal with it. Mm. And I think I was also very, very blinded by love at that point of time. 
were pretty young. Yeah, you know, I didn't. It was my first relationship after all, and yeah. I didn't know how to deal with it. And also over time, like with how confident and how good with words he was, I actually started to question myself. Also, like, did I really do I really feel this way? Is it actually me instead of him? And I guess that was also when the depression and the anxiety started to creep in. So after a year, after that two whole years, we actually broke up. Interestingly, that was actually when my depression really peaked. And I think it's because I devoted so much of myself in the relationship, right? And I slowly attached my identity to mm, it at some point. Yeah. That when it went south and felt like I didn't know who I was anymore because I lost myself somewhere in the mist, you know? Mm. So like coming out of this two-year relationship, I was really confused. I didn't know who I was. I was foreign to myself. Wow. And yeah, it was an extremely dark time for me. I cried every other day. Sometimes I know why, sometimes I don't. And the things that I used to like to do like I didn't like them anymore there was nothing that I really looked forward to nothing that excites me and mm. it just felt like there was this dark cloud above my head that weighed on me that's how depression felt like for me and adding on I feel that that relationship really tainted my self-image and I begin to struggle with a lot of esteem issues self-love yeah. issues because I started to have thoughts like am I good enough will I ever be good enough should I still voice out my mm. emotions and my feelings because what if people just disregard you know or like trivialize it like how he has done it before and like and so also things like really mm. increased your your anxiety correct and yeah. like i guess that's the anxiety part for me wondering also like is this what relationship is like or a lot of what if questions going on in my head you know mm. i don't remember you telling us like how you really hit your all-time low during and even after that that relationship mm. so as a person who has had my fair share of um, mental health struggles as a teen I personally found it very difficult to seek help from adults as I was usually very sceptical about mm. getting such help. I know in schools, they do encourage students to reach out to school counsellors, but overall, it's a very scary idea yeah. um, knowing that I'm opening myself up to a stranger who might or might not use this information against me mm-hmm. and then um, maybe give it to my parents instead. Okay. Yeah, but I know that on the contrary, that despite all that fear, you still manage to seek help on your own. You you sought your own therapy. Mm. So I've always wondered at what point did you know you needed to seek professional help for yourself? Mm. I think at a point coming out of the relationship, it was very clear to me that there was something that was different and something that was wrong within myself because mm. I did have a life, right? Like before the relationship. <laughs> yes. Yeah, like I knew that I, there were things that made me happy at that point of time. There were things that excite me. There were things that I liked to do before the relationship. Mm. But then coming out of it, like none of it mattered to me anymore. None of it made me happy. None of it excites me. And I just felt very down all the time and very dull, you know. So I, there was something that I could compare my life to and I knew that there was a difference. I think that was a point where I realised that, hey, there's something wrong. I guess also, like, after some time, it started to really weigh down on me. I started to feel very suffocated. Like, the thought cycle just kept going on. There was no, like, getting better or, like, progressing or so. I think that was a time where I realised that, hey, I, I need to go speak to somebody. Mm. And I think at that time also, there were, like, advertisements on TV sometimes talking about how, you know, if you're feeling really, really down, you should go and seek help. They give you hotlines and stuff like that. Yeah. So I know, and that was in my in the sea of my thoughts that, hey, there's this thing called counselling. So I knew that that's what I wanted to go for. And also, I felt that it was a bit hard to talk to family about this kind of thing. Because, yeah, right. some, some things are just too private. Correct, and, like, yeah, sometimes even though, you know, you are very close, like family and stuff, but it can be a bit difficult to talk about because mm. after all, it's your parents, right? Maybe they will not take it so well that their child is not doing okay. Mm. Yeah, so I knew that I wanted to get professional help, but it was a bit difficult because what 
like, am I going to have to pay for it? Where yeah. am I going to get the money from, right? Am I yeah. going to have to sign a consent form? Like, I was just a teenager at that time. So, mm. a lot of worries. Like, a lot of, what am I supposed to do? Mm. So, actually, I gathered up all my courage to have a conversation with my dad. I actually went to tell him, like, I need to go and seek counselling. Can you, like, help me? Yeah, so, actually, it was a very difficult conversation to have with him. We sat down the whole night. We were just talking about, like, why I, have, why I want to go and stuff like that. But at the end of the night, Quite amazingly, my dad was just like, he accepted it. He mm. understood and he was just like, okay. Like He said that he'll go research, he'll find a center for me. And a few days later, I went for my first session. Mm. So yeah. how did that go? Okay, so my that was my first experience of counselling. And it wasn't great, honestly, because oh. I actually had about 10 sessions altogether with my counsellor at that time. And, mm. you know, there were some things that she did during our sessions that made me feel like, I couldn't really connect with her and I couldn't really like I didn't really want to share about my life and my feelings with her because maybe sometimes when I'm talking, she'll keep checking her phone. I mean no, she'll keep checking her watch. She checked her watch? Yeah, she would be checking her watch like every now, every few minutes to check the time and I felt like she's very uninterested in what I'm trying to say, yeah. you know. And I felt that it was a bit disrespectful. But at the same time I didn't want to confront her about it because like you know, I'm scared of confrontations, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. It can be a bit difficult, like, especially if your counsellor, like, hey, stop using your, yeah. stop uh, looking at your watch. It's like, yeah. what do you say? Actually, because of these things, I started to close myself up a little bit more. I didn't really share with her how I was feeling. And then towards the end, about, like, the 10th session, she asked me if I was feeling, you know, my mental health was at that stage. And I told her that I feel totally okay. <laughs> and actually, that was a lie. Yeah, was a super definitely lie. a lie. Yeah, but it was just that I was not sharing. Uh, hello, bad example. <laughs> yeah, so actually that's a very, very bad example. And I think with that also, I want to let the listeners know that if you have a counsellor that you feel that you can't really connect with or you feel that they are doing certain things that triggers you, that mm. makes you hold back your your feelings and your thoughts, or you then... Or you don't feel seen. Yeah, correct. Or like hurt. Mm. Then do something about it, you know. Don't just like lie to them, say, yeah, okay. And then maybe like stop going to counselling altogether. You should find somebody and a counsellor who makes you feel seen, who really you can connect with and we shouldn't put that pressure also that like, hey, once I go into counselling, every counsellor should make me feel seen or every counsellor I should be able to connect with. You know, sometimes with friends also, like there are just some people we don't click with and it's the same thing, yeah. right? So I no think... No hard feelings. Yeah, no hard feelings at all. If you feel that you don't vibe with your counsellor, they don't really understand you, maybe there's an age difference or something like that, then maybe you can go up to the receptionist at the counselling centre and let them know that maybe you want to change a counsellor, you know. Really, I don't think you should be scared about it or anything because yeah. like, if your counsellor truly cares for you, they'll be glad that you're trying to seek help that is more appropriate and more suitable yes. for you, right? Yeah. So, can you tell us more about um, how your subsequent counsellors, like how do you seek them out? Because you said that like the first one you really didn't quite like or mm. found helpful. Yeah, so actually at that point, I was in poly, right? So mm. I actually had this lecturer who came and he taught us in year two, I think. Do you remember him? Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. There was this like really guy. guy. Yeah, um, yeah, so he came in and then he introduced himself. He said that, you know, he, other than teaching in our school, he's also like the school counsellor in our poly. Mm, so, yes. And then after a few lessons with him, I, I realised that he's like really, really gentle and like fatherly guy. Mm. I felt that he would be a great person to talk to, especially knowing that he's a counsellor. Like, yeah. wow, I feel that I might want to have a session with him. So one day, I just decided that, I just went up to him and like told him that, hey, can I have a session with you like one of these days? Mm. And he was like, okay. 
So I went in, I sat with him, and I talked, I told him like why I'm here and stuff like that. And I remember I came out of the room yeah. after that session, I was like crying. You cried? Yeah, I was crying. But I don't think you guys were there. I was just alone and I cried in the toilet. Because I was so happy. I was crying happy tears, you okay, know. Happy tears. Yeah. I was oh. so <laughs> proud. Yes. <laughs> I was so glad because I was so proud of myself, you know, because that was the first like independence um help that I sought on my own. Yes. I was also very glad because during the session, my lecturer made me f- he was listening to everything that I was list- I had to say. Yes. He was attentive. He he validated my thoughts also and stuff like that, you know, and it just felt very nice feeling heard and mm. feeling like understood was just so nice. And I feel that through the experience, right, I saw a glimpse of hope for like my progress in my mental health journey it was just like whoa actually i think this might be when healing starts for me you know Mm -hmm. having some a professional like actually listening to me and i feel that i feel safe with him yeah so after witnessing how he was helping you with the counseling sessions i noticed the drastic change in you after you Mm. saw him like you seem so liberated and you seem so contented (laughs) with yourself like it was it was a really great change for you Mm -hmm. so um, after sharing so much about your past, let's talk about the present now. Where do you think you are currently in your recovery journey and how would you describe it? Mm, I would say that the place that I'm at right now with my mental health, I would say that it's very stable. Stable. Yeah, that's the word that I would use. But, you know, I want to say also that stable doesn't necessarily mean that every day is a sunny day. Yes. Like, you know, every now and then a dark cloud still visits and that self-deprecating thoughts, they still exist. Mm. But I cope better. Yeah. And like one thing I would like to share also is that, you know, I feel that a lot of people have this misconception that once they start counseling, they're going to be cured totally or they're going to yeah. be totally That's okay. A terrible, terrible Yeah. I feel that, you know, some people they think that it's like medicine or like antibiotics. Yeah. After you take your 10 tablets and then once you're done with that cycle, you are done, you are back to normal, your health mm. is like restored, right? Like it's not something that you can flip a switch and then you're better after like 10 sessions and stuff like that. Mm. So I think it's very important that you really trust that process also. You be patient with yeah. um, your sessions, your counselling and stuff like that and that you are patient with yourself mm. to just, you know, be okay with that small and slow progress, you know. As long as you're progressing, progress is still progress, right? Yes. So really just take that time and don't set a deadline. Don't like limit yourself to like, okay, 20 sessions, I'm expecting to be restored. Mm. So... Yeah, just take it easy and be patient. Yeah. Yeah. This reminds me of a question that I answered in episode one. It was along the lines of what was one thing I regret not doing sooner? I want to tweak it a bit and ask you, if it was possible to travel back in time, what would you tell your younger self then? Hmm, that's very interesting. I've never really thought about that. But I guess I'll tell my younger self that you know, you're not going to feel the way you are feeling forever. Yes. And that, you know, that, that things do actually get better over time. And even if it seems like it's taking very, very long and progress yeah. is slow, just celebrate that small progress, right? Yeah, the little mini miles. Correct. You need to like hold on to all of these things to realize that like, hey, actually I'm getting better, you know. I feel that if you record all of your little milestones, you realize that, hey, you know, even though it's small, but at least I'm moving, right? Yeah. And sometimes it might not get easier, but then you get stronger. Mm. Yeah. I think we're often too hard on ourselves. It might seem like it's like straightforward and sometimes even cliche, mm-hmm. but to really achieve them takes years of effort, uh, resilience, and even having tremendous faith in ourselves mm. too. Moving forward, what would you tell someone, especially a young person who might face mental health struggles and wants to seek help, but is too afraid to do so? And I'm asking because that was me last time. Okay. 14-year-old me. Okay, so 
this is to teenage Amanda. Yes. Okay, and to you guys out there also, I, I think the fact that if anyone thinks that they want to seek professional help, mm-hmm. like as long as you have that thought, right, I feel that you should just go for it. Yeah. You know, like Definitely. go seek that help that you want to seek. And you should you can also speak to your school counsellor or you can research online also if you don't want to like seek help from school. You can research online, just Google it like um, counselling services in Singapore. There will be a lot of things that will come up also. Mm-hmm. And then once you have chosen a particular centre, maybe you can just give them a call, right? Ask them like, um, hey, um, how do I go about having a session with you guys? Like, how much um, are your services also? I think that's very important, right? Like money, right? Yeah. yeah, you can ask them. And if you're a student, I think you should let them know that you're a student also because maybe prices might be lower. Yeah. And stuff like that. Maybe some of them, like family services, they might be free also. Mm. Yeah. So you are not it's going not to, to the. Face. Yeah, it's not face to face. You don't have to go to the center and like ask all of these things, Do right? The awkward. Yeah. <laughs> it, only all they hear is your voice, not yeah. your face. So it's a bit less confrontational. You can ask all the questions that you want to ask. So I feel that actually, if you think that professional help is a bit too much for you and too intimidating to start at the moment, mm. then I think it's fine. Just don't rush into it, right? You yeah. know yourself best and whatever that's comfortable, go with it. And I feel that if that's not what you want to do for now, maybe you can find the right person to talk to and to healthily vocalize your inner thoughts and your emotions and share them, right? Oh, right person. Yeah, okay. So what I mean by the right person is that, you know, we need to find somebody who we know will respect our feelings and our thoughts when we share them. We don't want to find somebody who will end up disregarding, trivializing, mm, and yeah. just like throwing off whatever we have shared with them, right? Then that would actually, it might even hurt us, right? It will make us mm. feel like, hey, I don't feel seen. What if my issues don't actually matter, you know? They are not so big and stuff like that. So I think it's very important that we are actually selective with the people who we share our struggles with. Yeah, if that person can could be a friend, it could be a, a sibling, it could be a relative or whatever, you know, whoever you're comfortable with. Mm. So after battling mental health for several years now, what are some useful tips that have worked for you and you think that mm, would also work for someone else who might be facing mental health struggles as well? Okay, firstly, I think that we sh- I want to remind like everyone that healing is not linear. Mm. So don't expect that your journey will be smooth because that might set yourself up for disappointment right yes. you'll just feel like hey maybe, maybe maybe when you stumble again or maybe when you have a very very bad day or a few weeks again then you'll be wondering like hey you know i thought i was getting better why is it like two steps forward yeah. and one step back but i feel that i want to use this chance also to encourage you guys that this is normal and healing yeah. is really it is bumpy right but then overall you still walked one step forward previously mm. from that previous place that you were at right so a few weeks ago, my friend Valerie, shout out to Valerie if you Ooh, are listening. Well. Yeah, she actually sent me this uh, TikTok of this girl who was actually talking about her mental health because I think she was struggling for quite some time and then she was just sharing that she actually was going to bed and then when she when she was tucking in for bed, right, she suddenly had this thought like, hey, I'm so excited to wake up tomorrow because I get to eat the cereal that I bought like today. Oh. Yeah, so, and then she just started to cry in the TikTok and stuff like that because she was so emotional realizing that she finally has something that she's looking forward to after not having wow. something to be excited for for the mm. longest time. And I feel that this is really what healing is like, you know. Mm. Healing is not extravagant. Healing is not a flip of a switch and then tomorrow yeah. you're like, yeah, I'm going to conquer the world. Like, So healing is really this like little, little progressive steps that makes you feel that, hey, I think I'm getting better, you know. Really just these small little things that eventually will add up and you are going to reach a better place. Yeah. And, oh... Another point is that I think healing is gradual. Mm. 
So you don't don't expect that after a traumatic experience or having a very mentally bad day that you're going to have the capacity or the will to do everything tomorrow, right? Mm. I'm not saying that this doesn't happen. Like for some people, it might, right? And like if it does happen for you, maybe you guys need to pray for me because it really is not <laughs> like that for me. <laughs> yeah, so I think like... Send us some tips too. <laughs> yeah, like what I'm talking about here is having the expectation that healing is just going to be like a snap of a finger and then it's very it's very important that we are gentle with ourselves and then to also realise healing is all of these little, little steps, you know, that mm. we take towards that progress, you know, to give yourself room to healthily and progressively heal and not be so harsh on yourself and take it easy. <laughs> Okay, so we have finally come to the end of our podcast. So thank you so much for actually joining Mm -hmm. today, (laughs) being daring enough to actually speak today. Put myself out there. Yes, and sharing your very, very vulnerable experiences and also giving us some helpful tips. I loved how real and vulnerable you were and like how open our conversation was. Mm. And I'm sure that this will be helpful to a certain extent to people who are going through mental health struggles and also those who are not. Like this is something good that they can be aware of. Mm. So this might be a very small step, but definitely a more a commendable step towards creating a more open and supportive online community advocating for mental health and caregiving, especially in Singapore. Sure. Thanks for having me. Actually, You're welcome. Thanks for coming. <laughs> <laughs> I think like having it be my first time speaking publicly about my mental health and how mm. my journey has been is honestly quite scary because like so vulnerable, right? Putting myself out there. But yeah. I believe that my experience and my journey and how it's been like for me will actually bring some comfort to people. Maybe it will help them to mm. feel less alone. Even if it's just that one person who is like, hey, I didn't know that somebody else feels this way. Like, mm. whoa, I'm so glad already that I did this, right? And like, join you guys on your move to like make mental health something more talked about in Singapore. So Mm. yeah, thanks for having me. Moving on, we'll also be inviting special guests from SUSS Owls next episode who are peer supporters. So stick around to find out their experiences and also tips from their caregiving perspectives soon. So that's the end of our podcast today. Thank you all for tuning in today and staying till the end. We appreciate the tremendous support we have received for our first episode and we really appreciate every listen and share. Thanks for the useful feedback too and our team will be working very hard in improving subsequent episodes to come. So continue to spread the word and start sending in your personal mental health recovery journey stories to us via our Instagram DM at soulsengaged. Lucky ones will be chosen and with consent be featured on the next episode. Before we end, here's a useful hotline for anyone out there who needs someone to talk to or to seek help. Even caregivers are welcome to talk to and contact Cal as well. So the hotline will be 6460-4400. 6460-4400. Do not worry if you're not able to catch it. You'll be stated on our Instagram page. Thanks and goodbye! Bye. Bye.